I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let me just start by a moment of personal privilege. Uh, I've been very touched by the emails and notes and, good heavens, the flowers uh, that my wife has received. Uh, The news is um, that she's gradually improving after her burst appendix and then just at the minute we're going through the complications of potential difficulties with gallbladders. But doctors reassure me that everything's going to be fine, and thank you very much, everybody, who's reached out. It was George Burns who famously said, Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) Families are not always a blessing. And here in this gospel, Jesus is very conscious of family as a potential problem. For in the first century, family ties were primary. Family affinity is a primary factor behind social conformity. Taking the leap to follow Christ when one's family was opposed was hard. So here, Jesus is brutal and clear. The kingdom comes first, and if that conflicts with your family, then so be it. And what does being part of the kingdom involve? Well, it's a total worldview that shapes everything we do and think. This is what that majestic poetry of Deutero Isaiah is getting at. It's a God of providence and a God of covenant. It's a God deeply invested in the affairs of humanity. It's a God that works in human lives. It's a God calling us to a transformed vision of the world. Now, learning to live into this total worldview is hard work. It's an exhausting training. Here at Virginia Theological Seminary, it involves class, chapel and lunch. So, yeah, there's an academic component. Our minds need to be shaped. We need to listen and understand. We need to resist the temptation to be on Facebook in lectures. We need the extraordinary power of the Christian tradition that makes sense of the complexity of human life and existence. We need to understand how the texts of the tradition explicate the human condition. This, brothers and sisters, is the goal of class. But beliefs without practices are useless, or as James puts it more brutally, dead. And he's right. Chapel is the practice of devotion, where the liturgy goes deep inside, the prayers become part of us, our values are transformed, our weaknesses offered to God for healing. And lunch is also a faith-based practice. 
This is where we sit with faculty and staff who are different from us. This is where we take table fellowship and learn to appreciate the students from liberal California and conservative Alabama. And ideally, we mix it up. Ideally, we find different people to sit with every single day. Ideally, we allow our lives to be changed in the encounter with each other. And the results of class chapel lunch is a community who can see we live in a universe intended, who recognize the unique miracle of being, who live with a disposition of gratitude for the gift of every day, who bring their frailties to God, who see their calling, and who are witnessing to the values of the kingdom. So let's just touch for a moment on the values of the kingdom. And let me start by saying this. I am deeply grateful for the political spectrum we have here at Virginia Theological Seminary. I appreciate and love the voices of our Republican members of the community, their witness to the energy of the market and the way through human ingenuity and creativity people can be lifted out of poverty, their witness to the power of sin and the need from force from time to time to be used to bring about a just peace their witness to the dangers of overreaching government. And let me just say this, I'm deeply grateful for the generosity of our Republican friends, who at every single income level, from $10,000 to $100,000, households will give 30% more than their liberal counterparts. And just so we all know they give more to secular causes than their liberal counterparts. So sure, thank you for that witness. And I'm also grateful for the voices of our Democrat liberal students, for their witness to the dangers of an unchecked market where the profit motive and corporate greed can sacrifice the environment and the lives of the poor, for their witness to a vision of the world which is different, where the richest nation in the world does not have people dying of treatable illnesses and too many families living below the poverty level, and for their witness to the dangers of the cycle of violence and the imperative to spend less on bombs and more on hospitals. I want to thank you for that witness. Living with this pluralism is right, but let me say this loud and clear. Brothers and sisters, there are unacceptable worldviews. There are worldviews that are incompatible with the gospel. 
And I suspect, like all of us, I was appalled by the tragedy of Charlottesville. Here we saw men, mainly, re-emerging with an ugly, anti-Semitic, racist worldview that's been responsible for havoc in the preceding centuries, taking literally countless lives through slavery and the Holocaust. Charlottesville is a powerful reminder of the strength of sin. It was a powerful reminder that in a post-truth world, in a world where conspiracy theories abound, people can be sucked into a worldview that needs to be named as evil. It was a powerful reminder just how thin the veneer of respectability is in America and how just below it looks as if there's a racist self that's wanting to come out. We are all aware of the struggle that's happening in the United States around symbols of a past grounded in slavery. This seminary has and continues to grapple with that past. When our 1881 chapel burned, it was the board chair, Bishop Shand, and I and a group of others that decided that our plaques associated with our tainted past of slavery should not be installed in this 2015 chapel. We haven't decided what to do with them, most likely, they will be placed on a wall in our cemetery. Relics of a past era which is haunted by the sin of slavery. They are, in our view, rightly in a museum or a cemetery, not in a living house of worship. And we recognize that some of our buildings were likely built by slaves from Mount Vernon. We cannot change our history, which closely parallels the history of our country. But constantly, Virginia Theological Seminary tries to make right the history of our association with slavery. Indeed, we have a lot to apologize for, if not atone for. And we remember and atone before our fellow citizens and before God. Our baptismal covenant is the statement of the Christian worldview. It captures our work here at the seminary. It captures the necessity of class. So those opening paragraphs that invite us to see how we look at the world through the prism of the Trinity and understand how God has spoken to us through the eternal word made flesh. The importance of chapel. Will you continue in the practices of the apostles? And we utter those words, so help us God. And the potential of lunch, where we recognize the intrinsic dignity of staff, 
students and faculty. So as we stand now and renew our vows, let us all recognize what we're doing. Class, chapel, lunch is our baptismal covenant. Let us say that covenant, let us mean it, and let us live it. Please stand. Turning to page 292, 292. 